When you start to see your shadow and become whole, you free up immense energy. Talk about energizing your body and your life. It takes a lot of energy to put up this false image we present to the world. Oh, what a nice lady. But she knows she's not always nice, isn't she? That's Dan Millman. And this is The Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Thursday. I am thankful for you tuning in with me today as we have arguably one of my favorite episodes of this year. And I'm going to go out on a little bit of a limb here and say that if you enjoy personal development, uh, you read the books, you listen to the podcast, you actually do the work, then I really want to say that if you do this, what Dan Millman is going to talk about in today's talk, if you do what he calls shadow work, then your life will truly transform. And I have seen a tremendous change in, in myself with the compassion that I have for myself with the compassion that I have for others, especially in the challenging relationships that I have in my life, it has been truly amazing to see. So in today's talk, Dan is going to do an amazing job at explaining all the details around shadow work. And I hope that this episode really is impactful to you and not just impactful, but I hope that it really encourages you to continue to grow and develop and become a whole human being. Because when you do that, it makes your whole life much, much easier. So without further ado, here's Dan Millman. Enjoy. Now we come to a place on the path to everyday enlightenment, to the ninth gateway called Illuminate Your Shadow. This is an arena more puzzling and mysterious to many of us than the other gateways. Those of us who've studied psychology and Carl Jung, we know something about the shadow, but not exactly what it is or how it manifests in our life or why it's important enough to be one of the 12 gateways. Let's do a brief assessment to help you start to consider this issue of your shadow. If someone offends or criticizes you, do you automatically defend yourself? How many times have you stolen or lied? Are you certain it's only that many? (laughs) Do you sometimes feel resentful when it seems that you give more than you receive? 
Do you have some resentments about the mistakes your parents made? Do you do more for your spouse or partner than they do for you? Do you know yourself? Do you have good qualities? Do you also have bad qualities? I'm not using these in a sense of judgments on yourself, but more objectively, positive or negative qualities, ones that are more functional and less functional, kind, unkind, and so on. Name the two or three traits or behaviors of people, of other people, that bother you the most. Is there a part of you that might like to behave that way at least some of the time? I want to read a quote by a man named Harry Palmer. From the time of the ancient Brahmins of India, through the Greek and Roman civilizations, up to the modern deans of the human potential movement, one doctrine, though worded differently, has remained unchanged. It weaves its way in and out of every spiritual practice, every philosophy, and every self-help program. It is know thyself. Henry David Thoreau said, I went to the woods because I wished to live deliberately, to front only the essential facts of life and see if I could learn what I had to teach and not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. Before we can be ourselves, we have to know ourselves. When we were babies, we were whole. Most of us find babies charming, very young children. One reason we find them charming is because they're so authentic. They're real. What you see is what you get. Their emotions are right out there. No pretense, spontaneous, uninhibited. But in the process of growing up and being socialized, we became self-conscious and we developed values, different values, therefore different shadows. There were parts of us that we rejected, that we began to disown, cut off from ourselves and say, that's not me, I'm not like that. The shadow is not the dark side as in Darth Vader. The shadow are simply qualities, behaviors, traits, potentials, we have said, that's not part of me. For example, someone who grows up with liberal parents or in a pacifist household, they may grow up saying, I'm only good, moral, and peaceful. These kind of people scare me a little bit. I don't know about you. I'm wondering if next week they're gonna be up on a clock tower somewhere sniping. You know, these serial killers, they always look back and they say, you know, they were so quiet. They were always so quiet. Someone who grows up in the inner city, in a gang, their shadow might be, I'm only tough. I'm not vulnerable, sensitive, because that's weak. So we have different shadows. And in not 
owning our shadow and not becoming whole and having and being partial, this personality that's this but not that, we end up cutting off a lot of our power and our creativity. That's why we want to own our shadow. Because when you begin to see your shadow and know it, you become more human. We become more compassionate, less resentful, and tend to be more grateful. It's not a method for becoming more grateful because we can't control how we feel. But we will tend to be more grateful and less resentful, much more compassionate. We begin to go through life saying, there but for the grace of God go I, instead of look at that jerk. How could they do a thing like that? Becoming whole does not mean acting in every kind of way. If there's a part of you that's sociopathic, as there is me, part of me is ruthless. I've seen that part of my shadow. I'd rather go, no, no, I'm not ruthless. That's not part of me. But I've seen that part. It doesn't mean I have to act ruthless, but it means I can take that positive germ of ruthlessness, which can be assertiveness, and use that. So don't be confused thinking when you become whole, you act in all these negative antisocial ways. No, in fact, you're less likely to act that way when you know that's a part of you. You can control it. If I find out there's a part of me that's very aggressive, I can use it in sports, in martial arts, in ping pong, in chess. You can work it out in constructive, positive ways rather than have it just kind of emerge, such as... Those people, the televangelists we've seen on television, some of them, who've said, I'm only moral. I am not a moral, lustful sinner. So they righteously preach on Sunday and go commit all those sins on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And we've read about some of these people. That's an example of being so exaggerated on one side that they deny the other part, and it comes out in ways that don't work very well. I was reading Publishers Weekly the other day, and I noticed an article on an agent. Now, it's a job of an agent to get the best possible advance for the author. And they love auctions. When you have five or six or seven publishers all interested in the same book, you can say, well, what's your high bid? And you get a better price for the author and for the agent. What happened was there was an experienced agent known for high integrity who had three publishers who were going to bid on a book. She was excited about this auction for the author. And at the last minute, two of the publishers dropped and decided they were going to pass. They weren't going to bid on the book. So there was only one publisher left. She didn't tell that publisher that the other two had dropped. That's unethical. Agents shouldn't do that. Thinking that they were in an auction, they made a higher bid. They offered more money for the book than they normally would have if they knew they were the only publisher. This happens sometimes. The point I'm making here is, in the article she said, when she was caught, by the way, the publisher eventually communicated with the other publishers, found out they hadn't bid, and rejected the book. Said, we're not going to take the book on. But what she said was, and when this got public, what she had done, she said, from a part of me I didn't know existed, I just didn't tell the publisher about the other two who had dropped from a part of me I didn't know existed. That does not absolve her of responsibility for her behavior, but it, ex it kind of explains, it explains what was going on. That was part of her shadow. I'm only honest with high integrity. There was a part of her that was not. If she had known that, she would have accounted for it. 
This is only one of many examples. Let me give you one closer to home. Have you, and this is a rhetorical question because I know the answer. Have you, at a point in your life, had a relationship difficulty? And during that difficulty, you saw parts of yourself you weren't too crazy about? You just saw part of your shadow. And do you notice, having done that, it makes you a little more human, a little more realistic about yourself? You know yourself better. It's not pleasant. Seeing your shadow goes against maybe your values that you've been taught. You mean there's a part of me that could rob and steal and lie? There's a part of me that's aggressive, that's not nice at all? That can be a jerk? When you've seen that, you go, yep, that is a part of me. I was teaching a seminar in Berkeley once. I gave a lecture, and some people were saying why they were there. And one young woman who was sitting near, up in the front, she said, I'm here because my boyfriend thinks you're full of crap. And I looked at her and I went, you know, that depends on what time of day you catch me. <laughs> Point is, I don't offend easily anymore. It's almost impossible to offend me because any name you could call me, I'd say, well, there is a part of me. Yeah, there is. Not because I'm just giving you, you know, a, a verbal Aikido or saying it because it sounds good, but because I've seen it. I've done enough work on the shadow. Yes, whatever you could call me, whether it's complimentary or not, there's a part of me that could be like that. I have qualities like that. I may not choose to animate them. So now if somebody says, you know, you're a jerk, I go, well, you know, some of the time I can be, but you're a very interesting person. When you start to see your shadow and become whole, you free up immense energy. Talk about energizing your body and your life. It takes a lot of energy to put up this false image we present to the world. Oh, what a nice lady. But she knows she's not always nice, isn't she? One lady I know did a lot of shadow work and she joined a ladies group called Bitches from Hell. <laughs> she loved it. Because that was a side of her she'd never brought out. You free up energy, you become more compassionate because you've seen those attributes in yourself. So one way to start to see your shadow is through relationship, in the mirror of relationship. Not just with a loved one, not just through problems and you lose face. You really find face, you don't lose it. You find another face and another and another. We have many faces many sides, and that makes us powerful. But also through relationship, people who bother you. How many, have you been cut off in traffic by somebody? You feel angry, right? Immediately you remember when someone had done that, but do you remember as easily those times you cut someone else off? And be assured you have. We go, oh, that's no big deal. That's the self-image, the self-serving image we've created for ourselves. What angels we are. That's what we need to cut through to come to know ourselves. Sidney J. Harris once wrote, 90% of the world's woes come from people not knowing themselves, their abilities, their frailties, and even their real virtues. Most of us go almost all the way through life as complete strangers to ourselves, believing we know ourselves. Anne Sexton, in about seven words or eight words, 
says it wonderfully. Once I was beautiful, now I am myself. Robert Frost wrote, something we were withholding made us weak until we found out it was ourselves. Carl Jung said, a whole person has walked with God and wrestled with the devil. Herman Hesse, if you hate a person, you hate something in that person that is a part of yourself. What isn't a part of yourself doesn't disturb you. Let me give an example. From the time our first daughter was born, Joy and I stopped going out. We'd been a couple, we'd gone out for years. Let's go to a movie, okay, let's go out to dinner. But we didn't trust our kids with any babysitters. We didn't have relatives around. So we didn't go out. That's when I got her her first VCR. Point is, four years later, you know, our second daughter had been born two and a half years after our first. Four years later, we still had not gone out. And I had some friends who were still, you know, childless, and they were uh, young couples just going off to Hawaii, and they said, oh, we just got back from Club Med, Dan. And I'm going, kind of, how nice for you. And I didn't want to admit it, but part of me was really resentful. I looked down on them. I judged them because they were flitting around going to all these places. You can tell I still have a little charge with it. But that's because there was a part of me that wanted to do that. There was a part of me that wanted to do exactly that, be less responsible and just go play. But I couldn't acknowledge that. I was a parent. I was a responsible, good father. I wasn't like those irresponsible people, just running around having fun. That's part of the shadow. I resented it. So find out what troubles you about other people. I was eating dinner with a family once, and I noticed one of the kids just really was bothered by other people eating too fast and not minding their table manners. But I was fascinated to see that same child just kind of shoveled the food down and ate really loud with their mouth open. It even happens when young. What troubles you about other people, you can't hate or love anything in anyone else you don't hate or love in yourself. Big thanks to Dan Millman for stopping by. If you'd like to connect with him and his work, you can go to his website, peacefulwarrior.com. His Instagram is Dan Millman, the letter P and the letter W. And his latest book is entitled The Life You Were Born to Live, A Guide to Finding Your Life Purpose, the revised 25th anniversary edition. And I got this clip from an Audible program, which you can find on audible.com. It is entitled The Peaceful Warrior's Path to Everyday Enlightenment, 12 Gateways to Your Spiritual Growth. And if you'd like to check out the last time that we've had him featured on the show, you can go back and check out episode number 314. And also, if you'd like to do more shadow work or look into it a little bit further, you can pick up a book that I recommended in an episode prior, in episode 478, which you can also check out, which is, I believe, by Adam Roa. He talks a little bit about shadow work. And the, and the book that I mentioned in that talk, as well as today's talk, which I highly recommend, is entitled The Dark Side of the Light Chasers, Reclaiming Your Power, Creativity, Brilliance, and Dreams. And that one is by Debbie Ford. And I highly, highly recommend that you check that one out. And I'll have all the links to everything 
I just mentioned, along with the link to today's entire talk, they will all be in the show description. So you can easily just click a link and it will take you to whatever resource that you want. And if you are liking the show, please don't forget to follow, share it with someone or rate it on Apple podcast or Spotify podcast. What that does is allows other people to see the impact or the positive impact that we are leaving on the world and maybe encourages them to share it with others. So as always, I appreciate you for taking out the time to do that. And that is a wrap for me. I appreciate you. I hope you have a a great rest of your day. And I hope that you look for moments throughout the day and the days to come to really embrace your shadow. All right. That's a wrap for me again. As always, I look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow. And so until then, stay strong. Later.